Today I want to talk to you about wisdom for success. You know, we hear a lot about success, about how do you get ahead, how do you make more money, how do you buy a better car, a bigger house, all of those kinds of things. And I, I, what I want to do is I want to give you some introductory scriptures from the book of Proverbs about success, what the Bible says. And then I want to take you to our book that we're setting through, the book of Joshua chapter 17. And I want to give you a real life example from biblical context about success and some things you need. As we've said before, all the notes that we give you on Sunday morning are on the app. You can go there and, and follow along with me, and even as a place to take notes at the bottom so you can personalize it. But let, let me just begin with this one, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now think about how foundational that is, that we fear a lot in society, Okay, even though the Bible says fear not. But he says ultimately what you want to fear is fear God. This is not the phobia kind of fear that you fall back into and you don't know what to do. This is the kind of respect that says I respect God for who God is and what God has said. But it says if you don't do that, then understand that you act as a foolish person because you're despising the wisdom and the instruction that comes from God. Then in Proverbs 16, 16, it says, how much better to get wisdom than gold? If I gave you a multiple choice quiz right now, would you rather have wisdom or gold? You might hesitate a moment because gold is a pretty nice thing to have in a bad economy. But wisdom is better than gold in any economy because if you have wisdom, you can understand how to make gold. If you have wisdom, you understand who to associate with. If you have wisdom, you know how to live out your life on a regular basis. It says it's better than gold and to get understanding to be chosen rather than silver. So here he talks about wisdom and understanding. And it's better than gold, it's better than silver. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. Why would I do that? Look at the promise. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So you see, whenever God asks you to do something, it always comes, the, the, the request always comes with a blessing. It's not like God's just saying, you know, do this, do this, do this. Why? Because I'm, I, I'm the parent. It's not what he says. He says, do this because I want to bless you. I want to bring something into your life and I can't do it unless you cooperate with the laws of the kingdom. And when you do that, if you think you're blessed now, imagine what you could be blessed beyond that when you really exercise the promises of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here's how that, that explanation comes. And do not lean on your own understanding. Now, leaning on your own understanding is asking the question, what should I do? That's leaning on your own understanding. The question you should be asking is, what does God want me to do? And I start with the word of God. Does the Bible say anything about my situation that might give me some insight into how I should live my life? And you say, well, it may not directly, but it may indirectly in a principle. And then the second thing you're going to do is you're going to seek godly wisdom. 
So what would people that don't just tell you what you want to hear say about the question you have about your decision? So lean not, it says here, trust in the Lord with all your, uh, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, and every way of your going, that means school, community, job, future, their thought life, everything. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and then what? Here's the promise, and he will direct your path. So I don't know what to do in life. Okay, then are you doing this? Go back, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Are you trusting in the Lord with all your heart? Okay? And not leaning on your own understanding. Then he says, when I acknowledge him, he is going to direct my path. He's going to give me wisdom for the future. You know, one of the things that we've, we've come out of is the pandemic. Um, I mean, it's really becoming obvious now, isn't it? It's really obvious that somehow this isn't working. This didn't work. This was something else other than what they said it was. Um, but anyway, uh, one of the things we came out of that, you know, when we, op- we opened up uh, very early in the process, I think in May, and, and uh, just trying to find God's direction, not really knowing what we were doing and what we were really involved in, it was, uh, we knew it was bigger than we thought it was. We just didn't know what it was. So we opened up, and and people uh, said everybody that is gathering for worship are super spreaders. Do you remember that? And, uh, and I've been interviewed by several media sources, and they, they always ask me, you know, well, how many people died in your congregation because you... And I said, none. I, I, I mean, none, right? None. Why would they? And that's not to minimize people who did die in the in this thing. I mean, it was, but it was pretty predicted. Even Bill Gates came out. They, you know, the 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 second part of the unholy trinity. He, um, <laughs> even Bill Gates came out, and you know, and he said, "Yeah, we well, we thought it was something, but now we just really think it was just like a cold, and it only affected the elderly." And and you know, he's on Twitter saying this. I'm going like, this is the guy that wants us to eat synthetic beef. There, there's something wrong here, right? So one of the associations we made, and, and I think you all appreciate uh, Sean Foyt. He was here with us just uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. And, and uh, he, he really, when the governor said, you, you can't worship, you know, that's when Sean went out and he went into Seattle, he went into Portland, and, and uh, kind of in, in, in the face of Antifa and BLM, he worshiped, he worshiped. Because said it, and so Sean has become a good friend of ours, and we were just with Sean in um, out in South Carolina, but he has a movie coming out. We're going to premiere it here on June first. So mark your calendar, June first. Um, we don't have all the details. I think it's going to be around six or six thirty. Um, so it'll be here. We're going to premiere it, and I thought it might be kind of fun for you to see the trailer that nobody's seen. How would you like to see the trailer? <laughs> Now, the title of the movie is a bit provocative. It's called Super Spreader. All right, so let's watch the screens. Sing in church. Period. Full stop. And I remember when he said that, and I heard that. 
Isn't that awesome? Kind of makes you want to come, doesn't it? Well, we're going to have popcorn and have a movie, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Tell everybody. We'll get you more details as we get closer. As we think about wisdom for living, and I want to take you now to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 17, if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with me, I always think it's helpful to have the Word of God uh, and call it precious. You know, the Bible says in Hosea that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge of my Word. So you never want to be without that knowledge in your heart laid up, stored up for God. So here's the, here's the first wisdom for life. Are you ready? Don't complain. You ever known a complainer? I mean, all they do is complain. You know, you're like, hey, I complain once in a while. Who doesn't? But when you become a chronic complainer and you complain about stuff that you can fix, there's something wrong, amen? So one of the wisdom points is don't complain. Let's go to Joshua 17, verse 14. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit, since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? Can you just kind of feel it in the, in the story here? So why do we only get one? And we are a great people. Have you forgotten who I am? Have you forgotten who I am? If you have to tell people who you are, you're not that person, right? It's kind of like if you have to tell people you're humble, you're not. So when I looked at this, he says, since we're a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now, question mark. 
what I want to say is we have to beware of entitlement. Now, I don't know about you. You know, you, you don't ever want to think you're entitled, but there are moments in my life where I feel I deserve something. Right? I really do. And, and, I, and I want to always examine my heart on that and see, you know, where it, it, do I move into something that distracts me from my love for God? Because quite honestly, there are things you deserve in life. And because you've worked hard, because you've put your time in, You've invested in those things. But you have to always ask yourself, does this entitlement in any way separate me from my God? And if it does, then I have to yield to God and do what he wants me to do. You know, there's a, the story that Jesus tells. He says he talks about a man who's very rich, and he doesn't know what he's going to do with all the grain he has. So he says, I'm going to build more barns. I'm going to build more barns. And he's, he's so unaware of his eternal soul that the reminder comes in in the scripture that he says, do you not know, you know, that you can gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? So he, he puts his contrast over here. He's not condemning more barns. He's saying your love for the barns, your love for your wealth, your love for your success has taken you and distracted you from what's really critically important in your life. And you don't have to be rich, by the way, to have that attitude. I've been in some of the poorest places in the world. I've, I've been on a favela down in Brazil where people were fighting over a piece of cardboard and they lived on a trash heap. Their whole life would be lived there. But even, even they could, could not deal with not having something somebody else had. So it's an attitude of heart. It's also a great reminder to walk in humility. You know, the word humility means when the water runs low in a riverbed. And, you, you know, you see a river that's fast and furious and exciting, and you go, wow, like, look how cool that is. And then you see a river that's just barely moving, and you go, like, that's not very exciting. Well, I want to tell you, walking in humility is not very exciting, but it is what God calls us to. It is to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then that scripture goes on to say that in due season, he may exalt you. You see, it's not that God doesn't want to lift you up. It's just that he doesn't want you lifting you up. Right? Second uh, truth, organize yourself for battle. You know, sometimes when the battle comes, we weren't prepared for it. We weren't ready for it because we hadn't invested time in prayer. We hadn't invested time in scripture memory. We hadn't hardened ourselves against the enemy and the assault of the enemy. So in Joshua chapter 17, verse 15, so Joshua answered them. Now look how he, I, I love the humor and the sarcasm in scripture. He said, if you are a great people, don't you like that? If you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. It's kind of like when, son, you know, when your child says to you, you know, like, well, I, I, I need this. I said, well, just go get a job. I mean, it's a J-O-B. Do you know how to spell that word? You know, what, what's happened in our generation, we've prolonged adolescence so long that people don't even know what it is to work. Um, I know, I remember when, when we woke up our kids, they were probably about nine or 10, and, and uh, on a Saturday morning, they said, what are you doing, Dad? I said, well, you're going to start working. I go, what? Yeah, you're going to start working. And what are we going to do? You're going to mow lawns. And you're going to make flyers. So I got them up. They made flyers. And I said, you're going to go door to door and hand them out, and you're going to start working. It's time to work. 
Enough of this goofing around. So they got up. They got a job. So I put the, the lawnmower in the back of my car, went down there. They mowed it. They were successful. They're counting their cash on the way back. And I said, uh, I need my cut. <laughs> and, and they were mad. I mean, they were just not unhappy. They were mad. And I said, well, what, what's the cut for? I said, well, you, that's equipment rental. <laughs> I said, I got to put gas in it. I said, if it breaks down, are you going to fix it? So I need, I need to get my cut. I need 10%. And then you need to take another 10% out for God. Right? They'll tell you today that was one of the greatest lessons they ever learned. Because you see, you can't just hand something to somebody and expect them to be responsible human beings. So what do you do? You, you, he says, if you're such a great people, go up to the forest country, clear a place for you in the land of the giants. There's plenty there. You're going to be at a high place. It's going to be great. And if you're too confined. And, and the, I think the message is we have to always engage our situation. You know, really, in this uh, season of the last 18 months, I, I kind of equate it to a chess game. And there's a move and a counter move, a move and a counter move. And we're trying to figure out what's the best thing. And sometimes we move and that's only temporary. We have to move back. We move over here, we move back. We move over here, we move back. But we never stay static. And if you think that life is going to stay where it is or it's going to go back to what it used to be, then there's a Hebrew word for that. Dumb. That ain't going to happen, right? What you have to say is, how do I position myself for the day that I find myself in? How do I engage my situation? And then secondly, how, how do I enlarge my territory? See, whatever scope you have right now, say, how do I enlarge it in influence, in size, in whatever, you wanna, whatever ingredient you want to add to that? How do I enlarge my territory? In the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, it says this, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Now you can imagine, this is kind of a, a nomadic people and they would move from sometimes watering hole to watering hole and they would set up a tent. And, and what he's saying here is you need to enlarge your idea of what, what life looks like for you, okay? Enlarge the tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling, and then he reminds them, do not spare. In other words, don't see how little you can do, see how much you can do. Lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes. So in other words, if you're building a bigger tent, you're gonna need longer cords and the stakes are gonna have to go down in deeper. So what are the stakes? Those are the foundational points in your life. That's everything from the values, what's important to you. It's your character. It's, the, it's your commitment to and love for the word of God. He says, go ahead and, and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand. Now look what it says, to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nation. So remember, whenever God tells you to do something, you always ask the question, why? God always answers the question, why? He says, why? So your descendants will inherit nations. It doesn't talk about you. It talks about your descendants. You see, what we do, we should do for coming generations. You might say, I'm living fine. I'm not really worried about my life. Well, what about the next generation and the next generation? And then it goes on and says, and you will make desolate cities inhabited. You know what that means? That means cities like Detroit. That because of bad politics, bad leadership, they've become desolate cities. Do you realize that there is within this 
listening audience here and outside and on the internet, there's probably somebody that says, you know what, I, I want to be an engineer that redesigns. I want to be, be an architect that redesigns. I want to rethink how society is going to function. A few years ago, we were in Geneva, and we were there. We went into to the Cathedral of St. Paul, and in that cathedral, it's, uh, it's probably about 500 years old, and uh, the, guy, the, the guy pulled out a hammer, and he said, how many of you think I can make a dent in this wooden pew with this hammer? And my first question was, why would you? You know, not if you can, but why would you? And he walked over and he took the hammer and he hit the pew and it didn't make a dent. He said, now let me tell you why it doesn't. He said they discovered hundreds of years ago that if they would take these logs and they would roll them into the water and they would leave them there for 100 years, are you listening to me? A hundred years, that they would become so hard that they were impenetrable. These pews that are in St. Paul right now, you can't drill into them with a regular drill. You have to use a carbide bit to drill into these. Now think about it. Life expectancy in Geneva at the time was 56 years of age. He rolled a log in. He would never, his children would never use it. His children's children would. How many logs are you rolling into the river for your great-grandchildren? You see, if we think long-term, then everything becomes, it makes sense. If we think about me and what I can get now, what I'm going to do now, you know, then all of a sudden it becomes about me and becomes about now. So he goes on to say, you are going to expand to the right, to the left, your descendants will inherit the nations, and you will make cities desolate. Okay, here's another, another wisdom truth. Recognize your worth. This is not talking about feeding ego. This is about, about God made you in his image. Think about how, how marvelous he made you. You say, well, I don't feel very marvelous. Well, you are. You see, your feelings can fool you if you don't understand the truth from the word of God. See, God tells you who you are and how much you're worth. Society tells you if, you're not, if you don't do this, look like this, think like this, act like this, then you're not worth anything. That's not true. The identity crisis we're having today and the confusion over identity is really a lack of the knowledge of what God, that God has made us in the, his very image. If you're creating the image of God and you fall back into that, you understand, wow, this is really simple. God loves me. God has a wonderful plan for my life. God made me male or female and nothing in between. That's just what the Bible says. You know, so, well, don't, well, don't get mad at me. I'm just a busboy, right? I'm just delivering messages here, all right? But look what it says. You recognize your word, Joshua 17, 17, and Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim, and to Manasseh, saying, you are a great people and have great power. Don't you know the last tribe got upset? How come I had to say I'm great and you said they're great? You see, the Bible says that let somebody else praise you. Do not praise yourself. You are a great people. You shall, not, you shall not only have only one lot. And it says here that, that God is pointing us something in the direction of knowing our value in life. You know, sometimes you have to, you ever, anybody talk to yourself? You ever just talk to yourself? I do all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm in a full-blown conversation like 24-7. <laughs> I mean, it's everything from look how, look, oh man, that's, you did good to, you know, you're fat. I mean, you know, I, I, mean, I, I mean, everything is going on in my head at one time, you know? I'm, sometimes I find myself arguing with me, you know? And I, you know, no, I'm, I'm better than that, you know? And, and you, but you talk to yourself. Your self-talk 
is so powerful because your speech center, whether it's audible or not, is tied to your nervous system. And so when your brain activates speech and says something about you, even on self-talk, your nervous system reacts to that and it affects the way you live and your happiness in life. This is just science. Science finally caught up with what the word of God said because the Bible has said this all along. The words of your mouth are either what, life or their death. And, and examine your words and say, am I speaking life or am I speaking death over my situation? You never want to curse the ground that you walk on. You always want to just bless the, the ground you're walking on. You see, you do that by knowing your identity. You're a child of God, creating the image of God. When you come to faith in Christ, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That means you're transformed and daily transforming. Okay? And then also know your authority. When we speak, we don't speak as simply humans. We speak as sons and daughters of the living God. Jesus said, all authority and power has been given unto me. Now you go out in that power and that authority and you speak to the nations. You do that. You say, well, I'm just, you know, you should take the word just out of your sentence that says, I'm just. I'm just, I'm just. No, 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 no. That's an insult to the God who made you in his image. Honor God by saying, I am created in the very image of God and as an image bearer, I'm gonna do great things for God. And it doesn't have to be the biggest thing in, in town. It just has to be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour my heart into the God stuff. That's all. So know your identity. Know your authority. Number, the next one is lay claim to the promises of God. Do you know the Bible is a promise book? You just read it and go like, and sometimes you'll read a scripture and it doesn't really hit you. And then a year later, you'll read that same scripture and it hits you. Have you ever noticed that? That's because the Bible is, says it's living and active. Right, so what does that mean? That means that the applications are always coming by revelation of the Holy Spirit in your situation at any given time. So that's why when you read it, you're just, you're, the first thing you wanna say is, God, would you speak to me from this scripture? Would you show me what I need to hear, what I need to know? And, and just let God be your teacher. Let God speak to your heart. All right, so lay claim to the promises of God. Joshua 17, 18, the mountain country shall be yours. There's a promise. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down to the furthest extent shall be yours. In other words, it's yours, but you're gonna have to clear the land. Now, you can clear as much land as you want. You see what it said, to the extent you clear it? So do you want a small patch or do you want a big patch? You have to decide what you wanna do. You remember the story of the, the miracle of the oil and the prophet came and, and she was you know, dying. She was gonna sell her kids into slavery. She didn't know what else to do. And, and he says, what do you have? He said, well, I have, she said, I have a cruise of oil. He said, go borrow from all your neighbors, everybody, pots and vessels of any kind, any size. And she came back and you, know, you can only imagine what's going on here. And she's got this little cruise of oil and he starts to pour the oil in the first vessel and it keeps flowing. Then they get another vessel, keeps flowing. And when finally they ran out of vessels, the oil stopped. What's the truth? The truth is that only you can limit the promises and the outpouring of God's favor in your life. God's not doing that. Only you can do that. If she'd only brought two vessels, it would have stopped at two. If she brought 100, it would have stopped at 100. 
How big is the vessel that you're bringing before God? Why not bring big ones? I found it's just, it's just as easy to pray for something big than something small, right? Imagine if you had a kid and, and his dream for life. I, I love this illustration. I've used it often. But imagine your, your kid graduates from high school and you say to him uh, or her, what, what are you going to do now? I don't know. I, I really like it here. I mean, I, you know, you pay my insurance and you give me a little allowance and, you know, I get to use your car and, and you make my bed in the morning. I mean, I, I love this place. You know, and, uh, and well, how long would you like to do that? I don't know. You know, maybe till I'm 25. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, like a gap season. You know, I, I'd, like to go to, I'd like to go to Europe. I'd like you to pay for it, of course. Now, I don't know how you as a parent would react to that. I know exactly what I would do. I would say, look, I got, I got two choices for you. All right? Choice number one is you can go get a J-O-B. Right? Uh, or you can move out and find how you do that. Find another family who would love to pick up the expenses for a freeloader. So that's kind of harsh. Well, you know, I, I was kind of raised in that family where they kind of expected men to be men and act like it. I do have this theory. I, I, men should look like a man. A woman should look like a woman. A car should sound like a car. That's why electric cars are bad. I don't, if it doesn't sound like a car, it's not a real car. It's a toy, just a big toy. That's all it is. Change the batteries, keep it running. They at least ought to come with some speaker system where it sounds like a car. Amen? Yes, I got a Tesla. Well, that's not really that sexy to me. I don't know. Get a, how, about one, how about one of those Hellcat Dodge cars with the 550 horsepower? That's what's a car, amen? All right, I got off. I'm sorry. These things happen. The mountain country shall be yours, although it is wooded. You shall cut it down to the first extent shall be yours, and you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. In other words, God says in advance, you are already overpowered. They are already have more than you have. He wants, us to, he wants to put us in a situation where we have to trust God. Have you ever talked to God about your shortcomings and your failures? Go, God, there I go again. I said something dumb. I thought something wrong. I acted poorly. Have you ever done that? And you just go like, I'm sure God's tired of hearing from me. He never gets tired of hearing from you. In fact, it's in your weakness that you, becomes your strength. When you fall back into God, God, here I am again. I'm weak. He's going, that's good. That's how I like you. I don't like you self-dependent. I like you God-dependent. Amen? And if you notice in the scripture, it says the, the mountain country shall be yours. And that sh- the word shall expresses duty or moral obligation. I have a moral obligation and a duty to do what God has called me to do. You see, all the promises of God in the Bible are waiting for you. They're just waiting for you. Would you like a promise of God? You say, well, how do I find all the promises of God? Well, quite honestly, you can literally go on a search engine, put in what are all the promises of God, and you'll probably get about 20 pages of them if you want the easy way to do it, okay? But when you're reading and, you, and God makes a promise to somebody and you say, I like that promise, then embrace it as yours and begin to pray into it and lean into it and take scriptures and pray into scriptures and let them become personalized and real for you. 
That's when it real, the word of God comes alive. And then the other thing I, I've learned is you cannot be passive in the kingdom of God. You know, there's a thing called the lazy river where you just get in a raft and you just kind of float around in a big circle. And if you want to go again, you go again. And, you know, call the lazy river for a reason. You're lazy. Right? Don't get in the lazy river of life for the kingdom. Use whatever time you have. Use some energy you have. Use the powers that you have to advance the kingdom of God. I promise you in eternity, you will never regret that you worked too hard for God. But you may regret that you didn't work hard enough. Am I right? All right, I want you to stand with me and I, I wanna uh, lead you in a prayer for salvation. I, I always recognize that there are people here that either may not know the Lord or who are uncertain about their eternal destiny. So I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud. I'm just gonna invite you to pray it out loud with me. And it's your faith. The words I'm giving you can only have power in your life by your faith. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on a cross, that you were buried and rose from the dead to give me life. You promise that if I confess with my mouth, believe in my heart, that God has raised you from the dead, I will be saved. Save me, Lord Jesus. Now in your own words, right where you stand or sit, I want you just to thank God. If that was your prayer and you prayed that in faith, just thank him that he saved your soul. Would you just thank him right now? Just quietly or silently. Now let me ask you something. The Bible says this. It says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. You see, Christians are supposed to confess that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our testimony, right? So if you prayed and received Christ, would you just raise your hand up? Just, amen, God bless you. Amen, God bless you. Now you just pursue God. You say, where do I go from here? You pursue God with all your heart and all your mind, all your strength. So I don't know how to do that. Well, ask one of us, one of the pastors on staff. We'll be glad to help you out and guide you. Get in a Bible study. Uh, love the Lord your God.